you're listening to the Food Talk Show. there. My name is Sue Nelson. Over the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to be talking about all things drink and a bit of packaging, food packaging. And I'm joined by my fellow presenters, Holly and Ollie. Holly, Ollie. Um, that's Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going? Good. Here we We've are again. Got... An- an- another week. Another <laughs> no, no, week. I'm a bit embarrassed about no, last you're not, week. you're not. No, I am slightly embarrassed about last week. But guess what? We've got blooming wine this week. I can't believe it. Isn't it? It's a, it's a big. It's a big part okay. of the UK. It is a big part of the UK thing, um, and I'm also joined by Holly Shackleton, who's editor of Speciality Food Magazine, who famously tells me she's not very good with alcohol. I'm really sorry, Holly. We've got alcohol again. It's a pleasure. You just need to, yeah, pace yourself. Yeah, yeah pace a myself. A little bit of make sure you eat just a bit of distance between me and water and yeah. things yeah. going on. And to be fair, we are only tasting. We're not sitting here glugging. There's no, spittoon, you, there's no spittoon. The way, no, the way Holly just looks at me. <laughs> um, so our guest today are Henry Borman of Red Hill Farm Estate. Hi, Henry. Hi, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, very, very good. Um, tell me a little bit about Red Hill Farm Estate. What do you do? Okay, well, uh, I started out in Brixton uh, selling slow gin and um, it was um, on a council estate, so I, I named it as estate gin and that's where I was brought up put a nice um Hmm. Hmm. Um, it was great because everybody thought it was made on a swanky estate and it was kind of part of the fun of it and um it grew and obviously I kept needing more and more slows so um over time sort of got offered a bit of land um in the family sort of and there there were loads of slows around it and it was really a question of what to put in the middle um so I had a few conversations with um the, the winemakers of the day and the idea was to sort of grow a few grapes in the middle of, of this field and supply chapel down and things like that under contract. Um, we never expected to start producing wines and it just sort of happened. Um, it was one of those days you wake up and you have a shed Sort of, of take wine. advantage of, of, of what's going on and be very flexible. Yeah. Uh, and for anybody who doesn't know, Chapel Down is a, um, a really good wine estate now, actually, in, near Tenterton in Kent. They are. And um, particularly famed for their sparkling. Very true. Uh, Josh, his winemaker, is fantastic. The vines around there, they've got all sorts growing and, and, and really pay attention, don't they, to what they're doing and started to expand. So they now do Curious Brew, yes. which is a really interesting beer. Yes, and inside. I think they're just yeah. uh, building a brewery uh, yeah. and visitor centre, aren't they? I think they're doing ciders. So, yeah, and ciders, yeah. so they're really, really steaming on, which yeah, is which, which is cool. great. Yeah. Um, so um, one of the things that you were doing, I think, uh, particularly and that you wanted to do from the business f- from the start is to make it sustainable and, think, and really look at sustainable agriculture. Well, I've worked in packaging for a number of years and, and it was one of the things that you just look at a, some, something and think, why are they using so much chemicals? Why do we have to spray every week? Why do we have to do so many things? And why mm. do we have to mow the lawn all the time and the grass between? And how do we cultivate? And why do we have to be so intensive about using energy to produce something that we all enjoy? And I think if you can solve the problems in a vineyard, you can pretty much solve it in most agriculture that's grown in a row, any sort of trellised crop, because the vine is a challenge and uh, it, it's, it's essentially an art form. People call it growing it and making it is an, is an art. So, um, so yes, hence the challenge and the curiosity sort of kicked in. But a lot of people think you can just, um, oh, well, I'll get these vines from France or something and I'll, I'll, I'll just transport them over and then I'll, I'll dig a hole and then I'll plant them in the UK and then suddenly I'll get this amazing crop of grapes. It really, really doesn't happen like that, does it? 
Yeah, I think they're drawn in by this sort of idea of a cash crop and uh, vines are definitely not that. They're sort of um, at least a seven-year investment before you start getting a decent sort of crop from them uh, and a quality sort of crop. Uh, and the soil will be different? I think so. I think the soil, I was touching on it earlier, and I think the soil is, um, especially in sparkling wine, I think everybody's drawn to sort of chalk and there's uh, some ruling in the EU and, and, and France which says you, you're not allowed to water your, your plants, so you use chalk because it's quite porous and it, it, it retains water, so it actually protects the vine. But we're in the UK, we don't need it. We have a maritime climate, we get far too much rain. So and, problem... and in Kent, we're particularly lucky with having chalky soil anyway. I mean, aren't we lucky? I think in parts, yes, but I mm. think the clay is, um, is slightly better for producing wines. Um, it has more mineral content, so you don't have to put more chemicals more product on the vines so it actually saves you sort of bills where you have to put nutrients on them you can use what's in the soil already what's very rich and fertile and mm. can't always be in the basket so and and um obviously there's there's the normal grapes that most of us be, would be familiar with but but one of the problems with some of the you know the vines that we have in the uk is that they're not normal well-known vines so we might get something like Bacchus as opposed to um, I don't know Cabernet Sauvignon or something grapes um, uh, uh, there is a degree of education to go on isn't there about this is okay this this grape you might not have heard of it or this you know you might not have heard of these names but actually they still make great wines I completely agree I think um, it, it's it's that sort of parentage thing and I think everybody just goes well it's Bacchus it's got to be to get the most value out of a bottle of wine, you have to produce it as a single state, single variety, single wine, essentially, single year, and um, single vintage. And I think that when we come down to that, we have to name it after the berry. If uh, Most of the sort of cool climate grapes are sort of Germanic in type, and we're now sort of getting a lot more of the French in because of the climate change or the change in weather. And I think that's part of it, is when you label it and brand it, and it the consumer obviously hasn't has no clue of it. It's um, it reminds me of a, I think a Moldovian story that when um, they started growing a lot of um, Chardonnay and stuff in America, they they called it Chablis and everybody started buying it. It's, but it was completely just because they're used to buying French Chablis, um, and they just called it that and they got around it. Hmm. Um, are, are you a, do you like wine? I know you like all sorts of other spirits and stuff, but um, obviously you can tell probably I do like wine. Um, and I'm very interested in the in, in the way that English wine is, is just growing in popularity. But I still think the red and white is a little bit misunderstood. Do you buy French, Spanish? I generally, I would say I generally buy French, Spanish, um, some Portuguese. Um, I probably generally don't buy as much from America or Australia, but would buy some New Zealand. Um, I mean, I, you know, I sort of, it's, <clears throat> I always think it's, it's sort of criminal to, you know, we, we, we import wine from all over the world. Um, and, you know, I always think the key is to try and drink close to you. And actually, you know, France is, you know, one of the closest, and obviously English wine is even closer. So I think that's what's I do exciting think our sparkling that. wine is really just well beating. Uh, well, we in had a way that never you the other day, and they were amazing. I mean, they, yeah. were, they were great. Yeah. Um, some, some incredible stuff. Um, so I, I'm hoping, because I've not really embraced English white or English red yet, particularly English red. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to convert me today. I, I will persuade you, I promise. I'll you will my, persuade me, I'll do promise. my best. <laughs> there we go. What can I say about that? Um Another one of our guests today is Paul Folks. Hi, Paul. Hi, Sue. Uh, now, you've got a, a sort of connection with Henry, haven't you? Could you just explain us that sort of story? Really? Yeah. Um, Henry actually used to work for me 
about 12 years ago when he first graduated and he worked with me in um, a packaging design company which specialised in wine labels. So that's how um, Henry was one of our project managers. So he he saw us doing a lot of Portuguese and French and Spanish wines, not so much English, 12 years ago. Um, and we kept in contact over the years. And then one day he um, told me, I've just planted 27,000 vines. <laughs> and I was like, okay, of course he has. <laughs> I need to come and have a look at this. And then um, a couple of years later, when it got round to actually... Um, selling the wine, um, Precipice Design, where I work now, um, created the brand identity and the label design for uh, Red Hill Farm Estate. So we kept in contact, but um, we talk a lot about sustainability. I'm very interested in all the things that Henry does because um, it's not just the packaging, it's the whole way of um, viticulture and the way they make wine um, that is sustainable and uh some of it is is world leading and really interesting. So, um, yeah, we've kept in contact. So, in terms of um, sustain, so sustainability and packaging and all that sort of stuff, how how can you make a difference? I mean, presume I'm, I'm obviously a bit naive in this respect, but presumably because it's glass, that's okay. Uh, as opposed to other people that are using plastic and other, is it okay? No, <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. So, um, I. Um, if Paul lets me, um, one of the things that we try to do is we want to produce uh, our wines from um, recycled um, products. So they come from a recycled source or come from uh, an upcycled source. So with our bottles, we're moving everything to sort of green glass, which has um, up to sort of 70 to 80% um, of, of the content is recycled. Um, it also means it's sort of generally recycled locally or somewhere nearby. So most of the most of our stuff's done in France, which you know technically in wine terms is quite local. Um, the closures that we use are actually um, uh, not cork. Um, a, it sort of helps us with the clients because um, they then go, oh, the wine can never be corked. Basically, it actually is a better closure. It's it's from a company called Normal Cork, and they produce um, these sort of um, uh, biopolymer sort of style of of um, aerated corks and they're technical but actually they uh, keep the wine fresher for longer improve the wine's textures and keep the keep the aromas um, and they don't sort of have any cortical interaction because they don't contain cork um, mm. they're all produced um, well the ones we use are produced uh, green so they're all um, sort of uh, don't don't consume carbon so for us um, we find them better um, because normal cork normal corks you have to use sort of capsules over the top of the bottle and stuff and we just use a protective sort of um, uh, paper which actually is the saving for spending on the better using a bet of cork and I think it's just more sensible. Sure um, and, and but what about the glass thing I mean on a very simplistic level and I know recycling and you know waste management is incredibly complicated it's much more complicated than people think very in true. terms of the things that you choose to do so for example i might go oh great i'm gonna recycle my you know glass jar here i'm then going to spend two liters of water washing it out which people don't realize that water is a scarce resource so you know you're doing that and then it's it's quite complicated waste management um uh, how is glass i just assumed that glass was a good thing and that i should buy let's say bottled water in glass and not plastic or is it that simple well, I, I think plastic has um, its own advantages, but sometimes it, it has a lot of disadvantages. It costs, it, it's generally quite a lot to make. You, you, it's difficult to recycle and, and separate. Um, uh, 
Whereas glass, it, it tends to be a lot more easier to handle. And, and people sort of generally sort of have three or four bottles and they, they, they end up down the bottle bank and it goes in. But I think on a... But then, but then it's it's costlier to transport. So uh, that's why I'm saying that, that the waste management thing is quite complicated. So you're spending more on petrol or diesel to get your glass bottles to where you are. Moving and, feast, but, though, but it's, it's just because difficult. we are moving within probably 12 years to electric vehicles okay. with renewable energy. So right now, the people who love plastics will say, oh, what about the diesel? And it's like, yeah, but you're thinking about 2018. Think about 2025 when we've got renewable energy. We have an excess of wind in the UK and probably in Kent as well. I think that's just only. <laughs> well, I was going to say and Westminster. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. And that's true. We, I'm literally shocked at how electric vehicles are coming into the mainstream. Um, even Tesco are going to be putting charging points in every well, in the pace, store. The pace of it. Yeah, yeah it, it's incredible and i said to you know i i thought that they would only travel a few hundred miles on one charge and i did a quick look a couple of days ago the current vehicles are doing 400 500 miles on one charge i had no idea mm. we never were told that yeah. in automotive design we were not told that two years ago mm. so things are changing day by day we use we use an electric vehicle for most of our deliveries as well so it, it, it just totally makes sense it's, it's it's very impressive. It's really interesting. I mean, I think mm. what's also interesting is, you know, looking at your bottle design, you know, I think you're being very bold in the sense that actually the sort of the the clear glass top where you can see the design of the of, of the actual cork is really kind of different to what we see in the market. Because obviously, you know, most corks, as you say, are concealed behind that. I mean, plastic, plastic, yes, plastic, something thing. or other. Um, yep. And actually, you know, it, it, it's, I think, is, is it Nicola who do who used to, I think, who probably innovated with this first and did the kind of, you can see then the house labels, you could see the sort of their thing. But it, it, again, it's very interesting to challenge those preconceptions and it's interesting to have a story around it. Hmm. I think they may look a little bit more crafty and it, it's another branding point as well. If you can see the cork, you can put a brand on it, make them look cool. And I think it's, if you invest in it and invest in good design, um, not just as the, the the product design of the cork, but also the branding on it. It's a keepable thing. We we regularly get people that say they take these rather than our business cards because you know we're it's taking got all the information and it. they're taking it away. So mm. we put all our our social Good tags stuff. on it, and they they really enjoy it. Can we taste some? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here we go. We, we, oh, another week, so another week, another don't. glass of wine. Come on, it's good. It's good for us. Well, you know? I'm not sure. It's a different week. Um, now, what you've bought here is, the, these are all English, uh, very much so. Uh, we've got a, a red, which you're going to convince me yes. is the future. What would you like to try first? English, well, obviously, don't you end with red, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was always brought okay. up to believe. So you've got a nice sparkling rosé there. Of which I'm a great fan of of sparkling wine in England. I think we're real stunning producers. Yeah, actually, uh, and increasingly so. And then you've got a white, I believe. Have you got a white wine? Somewhere? We do. We have uh, an Ortega with us. Um, Ortega's another really great Ortega, and named after a Spanish philosopher of all things. Ortega and Bacchus. Very random. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm and sure again, not random. I'm sure deeply thought through. Yeah. Very true. And again, what we've got to do is educate people that Ortega's okay as a grape. You know, just just because it's something you don't know, it's still a, you know, still a great grape. Very true. It's, it's the contents of the bottle, and it's yeah. it's just a name of yeah. the grape. I think. Can I just say that Henry is an expert at opening sparkling wine because it should just go. 
as opposed to when I do it. I'm just going through the ceiling because I, I, I like the sort of glamour. The, the, the of drama. The drama of it. It's yeah. like every time you open a bottle of sparkling wine, you pretend you just won a major Formula I'll One race. Oh, yeah, I've just got a hole in the yeah. ceiling for each one. For each one. It's always um, So this is uh, rosé coloured. It is. It is. And so where is, where is this bottle available? Is this... Is this... All our wines available online. Of course. And this is Red Hill Farm Estate. And, and whereabouts are you geographically located? Uh, we're between Tunbridge and Maidstone in Kent. Tunbridge and Maidstone in Kent. And so, so the actual Red Hill f- Estate, that name, that is an estate, I'm assuming, in Brixton. That's what you were saying. <laughs> which is, which I, Red Hill Estate is, um, is, is where my, my family grew, grew up, essentially. And that's... Okay. Um, that, uh, <laughs> it's a very tiny sort of farm. And they, they sort of had it as a sort of, you know, the, the country house. I was liking the idea that actually, you know, you'd been living in Brixton and, and you know, you were on, you were living on Red Hill Estate and, and you know, sort of a brutalist, you know, um, mod, you know, sort of architectural. Oh, you want it to be called the Nelson Mandela Estate. No, well, I mean, wine, don't you? I spent a lot of time try, in, try in, working in, for Paul. <laughs> Stockwell, you but know. Uh, yeah, no, the, the, he started out making slow gin, and that was um, on the Tullis Hill Estate in Brixton, and um, that's why I lived in Brixton. So, mm. uh, so yeah, and um, then I graduated back home, and there was an opportunity to. Um, to stop planting there. Paul, give us your thoughts. Um, I have drunk a lot of Red Hill Farmer's Tape before. It's yeah. not my first glass. So you don't get paid in fees, do you? Just say, no, can you, can you, you deliver me a couple of crates? Absolutely <laughs> right. Um, it's a great contract. Yeah. To be honest, we we, we love the um, the way we get paid by Henry. Um, Regular Uber deliveries of wine. I have to say, I do love the rosé. I think it's, 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 it's really acidic. It's very dry. It's not, a sweetie, sweetie rosé by any means. I think it's a very mature... And considering how young the vines are, because I saw them as babies, it's an incredibly mature wine. And I think, um, again, we... I, I give I give this to my daughters who are um, four, four and four three. And six. <laughs> Before long flights. Who are grand- Don't hear a peep out of them on friends. a long haul. <laughs> it's amazing. I've, I've always believed it was a great win. A great water was Used to be not Cal good Paul enough. in my yeah. day. No. I mean, great water, not wasn't that pa- the real thing? Not Paul. He's, he's a bit of... <laughs> how, how the other half live. <laughs> yeah. But it goes. Sorry, the, Paul. How old are they? They are... Fun. 24 and 26 yeah. and they're friends and they absolutely love it and they they love the colour they love the label and I put a bottle of this out and I like it's gone and they they you know they they haven't got a sophisticated palette yet they're sort of developing their palettes at that age and they you know they absolutely adore this and they and, appreciate it yeah. yeah and Henry sells this um there's a pop-up every weekend at King's Canopy. At King's Cross Canopy Market. King's Cross Canopy Market. Yeah. And again, they this rosé sells by the um, gallon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's interesting because I think one of the things that, you know, is interesting about champagnes is okay. that I think that it feels like, a, you know, they've really, lo- a lot of them have no personality. Mm. They're kind of, they've they've lost that kind of, Sort of the profile, the interest. It's almost like they're they're parodies of themselves in some ways. And it, it and actually, while I, I have to say, I I don't generally enjoy drinking, you know, kind of I use very large quantities of champagne, you know. But actually, I think you know what's really interesting about this, and, and I would say the I same. I drink large quantities of champagne. For me, it's it's a special drink and have a mm. glass, and that's how you start something. It's 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 
you know, precursor to a nice dinner or, or, or you're celebrating something. I, I couldn't imagine just drinking it all night. Is that what you're saying? You just have a glass. Is that what so you're saying? If you, if you end up at a drinks party and someone and they're serving champagne, mm. and you end up, you know, two, three, four glasses down the line, I can't do. I that. just, I, I actually, I, I don't enjoy it. No. Whereas I actually think, and I'm not saying that this is something you could drink three, four glasses. I think what's interesting to me is that there's a profile here in, and I, and I, you know, Ridgeview, major competitors of yours, but actually, you know, I think both when we saw the Ridgeview um, sparkling wines, there was there was a personality to it mm. that I thought was really interesting, and I think the same is true as this. Mm. But, but but again, for me, I like champagne, but it's like that one glass, and then it's somehow you got you know you go on to something else, and I love that one glass, but I couldn't imagine drinking it all night. Don't know why. Not quite I think sure why. That's been sort mm. of some of our things. So we've experienced a number of wines from other other retailers and um, other producers, and. Uh, English wine is one of those things that we've grown up with the industry, really. We're really lucky because there's such a collaboration. You, mm. it's, it's not, it is competitive, but not really. You can still go and talk to the winemakers. You can still ask questions. You yep. can sort of get advice where you you, know, you buy, sell grapes and things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've had squarries on the show as well, yeah. uh, which another... You've been pouring through them. <laughs> it's a Westrum, not far yeah, from yeah. you, and and um, only just inside Kent. But, but beautiful land there. And they again, there's some stunning... Sparkling, right. just in Kent, let alone the rest of the I'm southeast. Part of my Kentish partners, I just mm. thank you for choosing the best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, I haven't managed, I have to say, to migrate to English white in the way that I have English sparkling. Okay, well, the Bacchus would be a sort of good starting point. So, Chapel Down um, Bacchus is nice. It's okay. It, it's a grape that tends to be very sort of it has a resilient parentage, but it yep. produces a very sort of clean Sauvignon sort of Blanc style, but with a very strong elderflower sort of aroma and taste. Mm. Um, when we produce it, we try to take that back a fair bit. Um, I, I tend to find it's got too much elderflower. It's very easy to sort of go to Asda and buy sort of, you know, a Savion from somewhere that's bought over in a cargo ship and mm. um, then um, pouring a bit of elderflower syrup. But I think you can make a lot more complexities out of the grape. So when we produce it, we, we try to sort of bring down those esters. And, and it, when you do that, you get gooseberry, you get melon, you get loads of different other flavours coming through. And you make a little bit more of a complex wine. Um, it, producing English wine is, is quite ex an expensive hobby um, and to buy as well. Mm. But I think what we try to do is use our sustainable sort of infrastructure of growing, um, which reduces the cost of growing grapes. Um, we use little computers to sort of predict the weather essentially predict and then from that we forecast the good luck with that in the UK because BBC don't seem to be able to do it it's, it's quite <laughs> well we hand it over to the Google of computers and sure. it seems to work very well yeah. um, so we can sort of um, it means we don't have to spray so much and I think when you look at organic uh, you, you see a lot more use of, of chemicals mm. and things like that because, well not chemicals but elements so sulfur copper to, to, to and, try and yeah I, th I just think it's a very limited toolkit so tell me about the ortega grape because that's a that's a very interesting vine well because we produce abacus we thought well let's um let's see what we can do with the ortega it's it's a very interesting uh grape it, it's still quite fresh it's still sort of very new world in its style um it's 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 a sort of hungarian um, but we try to produce... Distinctive smell as well, I think. It is. Ortega. It's quite strong. You've got to look quite a lot to it. So we ferment a third of this in oak. Um, we try to sort of age it and yeah. trick it into sort of more of a stronger wine. Um, we find it goes really well with sort of um, Sunday lunches, uh, something quite com uh, complex. So it goes really well with sort of strong um, truffle, those kind of things, pastas. Um, works really, really well. It's a pasta wine for me. Yeah. 
I think. Good. Especially sort of slightly cheesy, truffly something pasta. But you see, it, it's we always try and make sort of more bespoke wines, um, something that you can't really find out there. And it's been a bit of a luxury to be able to do that. But it's great fun, sort of, when you get in the wine you get, you, you can see where it's coming from. Um, and I work with my partner, my partner's the winemaker, and she um, she works with the vineyard and I work with the winery. And I think that mix, sort of, we've very early on figured out what, what our wine's going to go and what we can do with it and what the potential I mean, is. I, I find this very fine and delicate. I'm not a very fine and delicate person, but this is, isn't it, very fine and delicate, do you think? It's... Was it not your coffee? There's not the words I'd use. I, I find I, I find it it's it's very interesting because it, it's for me. There are a lot of um, Spanish and Portuguese wines that one tries, which you just kind of go, "That's very other." <laughs> so it's not it's not a wine that you kind of go, "Oh, you know." It's it's not a sort of wine that you would just drink without thinking about it. It's got a, again, it's got a particular kind of flavor, you know, flavor profile, and I think it's. It, it more reminds me, actually, it does not remind me of a French... I mean, what should it remind me? You guys are way more... What what what, what should it remind me of wine-wise? We were sort of aiming for something that's sort of south of France, um, something that was a bit more oaked, a bit more sort of oaky Chardonnay that, that's aged. Um, we use um, Barragara and oak, and we find that it just ages wines a little bit faster, the, the, the oxidation rate. And it's actually grown in more sustainably. It comes from a better uh, forest. Um, and it produces the effect of oak in wine slightly faster. And I think that that helps English wines, especially the cooler climate stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not particularly oaky, I don't think. But but the thing for me is it's 12% as opposed to 14.5%, which you get some huge, big white wine sometimes. Mm. That for me is perfect if you, you're on a summer's day nice and cold and you know lunchtime you got some amazing picnic thing going on oh. i think yeah you know, it would be amazing with food and i get mm. i do get the kind of mushroom mm. and a savoriness from it for sure so i can't imagine drinking it solely kind of if i had friends around for drinks you know it'd be great with nibbles and things mm. but as you say to borrow a kind of i guess beer terminology i wouldn't say that it's a kind of session mm. session wine if you know what i mean Very but true. it's really delicious and what, what does that sort of retail at, Henry? We retail us at twelve pounds. So it's, it's you see, to be perfectly frank, that the the thing that I find a little bit difficult with English wines, as opposed to sparkling, which I find to be really competitive price wise, because the the taste that you get is for me absolutely as good as having a you know moe or wet as you're supposed to call it and all that sort of stuff. I find that too expensive, twelve pounds for that, really. That, and and I think that's where we've. But you know, I, I think see, that's, I mean, that's the sort of battle we've got to fight. But, but, but I think this is not a. Uh, this is why I'm sort of saying it's, uh, for me it's other, which is it's not. This is not like a classic white wine. It's something that's a bit different. Yeah, and but, I think but that, yeah, it I think stretches think my loyalty a bit to pay twelve pounds. I'd probably pay eight. But I think if if I was having um, a dinner that I you know a dish that I know I knew would suit it, something mm. kind of truffly and like you mm. say pasta or cheesy or something like that. And then got a couple of bottles of this to have with, then I think I would pay twelve pounds for it because again, it's not the kind of thing that you're expecting to get through six bottles. <coughs> but, in but, I, God, no. but I also, <laughs> but I also come back to this point Sue, that we talk about a lot on this program, which is that, like, you're not charging twelve pounds because you think you can get away with it. Oh no, 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 of course it, it, not. I know, it, but, mm. but the, the cost of production of a wine in the UK is very high. Apart from anything else, you've had to pay for those twenty-six thousand. 
it, it starts off with the grapes. Yep. From one vine, you can produce maybe a bottle and a half or to two bottles, whereas mm. the lower down the sort of France you can get or the other uh, other countries, you, you get to sort of eight, nine, ten bottles from one. And so you're but talking... For, but for me, is that more, about age or just about the type? The, but the for climate? me, the more we, we oh. plant these vines and the more we become a wine producer, then then we start to compete on price, you know, genuinely, because you can, because I, you can. I but think, at the moment, I don't think we can because it's too small scale. I think you've got the economies of scale, but yeah. for us, a lot of stuff comes in from France that supplies the machineries, the yeah. tractors, what have you. So this sort of... It has an effect, and it's quite an expensive process okay. to set up and get going. With your, I, I totally agree. But I think un, until until you can get the price down a little bit, not a lot, I think it's quite difficult to compete. Where Sparkling's got there already. But I, I disagree on that. I think that in the end, you have to, like, you can't change the economies of scale in the sector. Mm. And I think that actually, the challenge actually, I think what you're really saying is it's not good enough. If I, in, in what I mean by that, I'm not harsh. Am I saying, saying that? Is, as in, is it, a, is it yeah, a 12? So in the end, you would buy a £12 wine, right? But there's got to be something really special or something really interesting. Yeah. And I think, look, you know, you, you're ticking a whole... I, I want I, to I, be loyal. I know you do. I, I know you <laughs> want to be loyal to things that are produced mm. here. I, I, I think it's a, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting wine. Um, and I think it's, it's really different. And I think actually the game for brands like yours is to carve out things that people go hmm, this is not what you're you know if i tasted that i would go what is this you know you're <laughs> yeah. not you're not gonna yeah, say yeah. you're not just gonna ignore it it's not a wine you ignore mm. you may not like it but it's not a wine you ignore it's got a particular profile and a particular palette and i, I definitely think I, mean, I think the pasta comments are a really good one yeah i, I mean I, I do like the grape but i'm i'm hoping that if it can get more accepted and we can get more volume then it's really starts to compete we're working on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just is what I'm saying. Is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Talk to me about English red. Okay. So can we start at a, at a category yeah. level? Like, actually, yeah. how many people are producing English red? Because I do not actually think, you know, most of these shows we don't. I don't. I don't try things that I go. I have never tried a. Chapel Down are doing red, aren't they? Are they? They do in Union. Yeah. And I think which uh, they grow. Which they mm. grow from their growers. I think they're. I like their model because it's different vineyards all over. And I think they pick and choose. And in the UK, though, always. UK. Yes. Um, but I think I, I did check the category. Uh, Some down in the southwest. About six think, or not seven. Many. Yeah, I've come across yeah. about seven or eight different reds in the UK. But I, I, I struggled. I think Denby's have one. And I thought, oh my God, I could do better than this. Mm. And not knocking Denby's, they probably got a little bit better. But um, <laughs> I just. You it's know, difficult because everything conspires against you in the UK to, 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 to produce a red wine, I, I personally think. But I started drinking wine when I was, yeah, I, I'd very, 18. very lucky. 18 yeah. is 18. 18. 18. You didn't start 18. until you were 18. 18. But I was very lucky. I, I had um, I, I experienced a lot of wine. I, 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 my first job was in a, in a restaurant and, you know, you just end up working through tons and tons of broilers, promos, et cetera. And um, it's, it's great fun. So the key about this project really to sort of Take advantage of these sort of make assets out of your liabilities. Mm. But but where but so so before we try this, so where you know look, you've talked about Barolo, which is like one of my favourite reds. I mean, Amarone. You know, oh, I don't. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> I mean, no, but, but, but so, so Amarone tastes of sunshine. If you are if you are a, the cost, yeah. But if you are a big red drinker, like so, you love red. I do. Right. I think it's so. Where are you on the sort of like so? 
There's a 1 to 10 spectrum on reds. Where are you putting your red? Can I just say that he's only just opened it and also the bottle's a little bit cold, just just to put it in perspective. But you can't, but, but they're cold should, reds. But Pinot should be drunk slightly oh, cold. Oh, yeah. it Pinot? I didn't Starting with a Pinot. I'll, I'll sit on so, the so cab. I, I'm going to give you, so, so in terms of, I mean, where, where you know, are you, are you kind of early in amazing. the journey or are you sort of, are you pleased with where the red's at? Good smell. I, um... I think it's a challenge to make reds. Um, I've heard that it's, it's very regularly heard that making whites is um, is a chemistry sort of process. It's 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 a chemical recipe essentially. Whereas making reds, you have to sort of do it with your heart. It's very difficult to sort of figure out where it's going to go. And I think the experience of making it um, will keep improving year on year. Whereas the whites will be what the whites are. Um, so. But we love this red, and I, I think if you have a red where you can see through it, it's not a red, it's a rosé, I think. Um, so we just tried to get as much colour extraction out of it. We got it off the field and we were straight fermenting it within an hour. Um, and that with Pinot is a key. Um, it's just to sort of keep, otherwise you start losing some of the aromas, some of the astringencies, and it's just... So for me, just to explain about Pinot Noir, uh, Pinot Noir is, is a sort of quasi red <laughs> in my view sorry about that but 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 it's it's a very light red it, it's it's well known for being quite light and also um light in color often which is what you're talking about um and Mainly I didn't realise I, I didn't realise it's uh, Pinot Noir. That's why I said it. And it's it's traditionally not uh, warm or, or, or room temperature. It's slightly cold. So it's a, it's a it's a weird category of red in a way. I it think is. Pinot Noir. And it's but it's what the New Zealanders are focused on. Is that right? That's sort of that's a lot of Pinot Noirs from New Zealand. Where, where are the majority of the Pinot Noirs? America as well. America, okay. Is that I not right? I think it's New World. Yes, yeah. there's a few okay. in there, a few yeah. in the south, but um, and Kent and Kent. <laughs> And can, because if you think about it, um, given what we've just been saying, if you if you like um, if you like Amarone or you know Chianti or something very Italian, it'd be very 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 full and fruity and taste of the sunshine. Well, we can't do that here. So, so, so and Pinot Noir is quite well geared to England, I would say. So Sue, so you you said you were not converted to to reds. Well, how do you, so so look, okay so so on your journey of conversion to the. Um, the evangelical church. No, so, so to um, to red wines. What's your reaction? I love red wine. This to be honest, English... I, I, you've really you've really nailed the smell. Thank you. Do you not think? I think so. You've really I, nailed. Even when you opened it, it's 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 really good. But it, it's getting that body and texture. And I think there's some points in there, especially with oak and, and, and characteristics and tannin, that we have to sort of nail. Um, we can also bring back a fair amount of the sulphur as well that like we figured out. So, so I think that is a very good Pinot Noir, but I don't generally like Pinot Noir. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, I've got another wine as well. Mm. <laughs> but, but, but look, that's that, but that's but that's just the grape. Wine. It's just my personal opinion Polly? on the grape. Um, I really like it. Um, I don't know if I'm not an expert on red wine. Um, I tend do to drink have white. Wine, I do. Um, this is but, like chicken, isn't it? You don't eat chicken, but you. But if you give, but it, I had it for chicken. lunch today, yeah. and I had it at a show a couple of months ago. So, <laughs> um, I would say it's maybe slightly. Heavier, maybe a bit more velvety than a than Normal Pinot Noirs that I've and had it's, before. It's got a nice vanilla. Very true. It is a little bit heavier. We do a slightly longer maceration, and that sort of tends to bring out a bit more of the colour and extraction. And it was just because the fruit was super clean, and it was just thought, well, let's see how far we can push a red here. Mm. And and what Sue so, Sue? So, so, so as what, a Pinot Noir, I'd I'd like it, but I don't normally choose uh, a Pinot so Noir. So on the um, Sue Sue Price Watch. Okay, <laughs> so so what are, what are we retailing that at? So we go to, for this. It's eighteen. 18. Yeah. 
Which is, I mean, that's a big number for a red. I mean, that's, you know, you're in the sort of, that's a premium, that's a premium red. Yeah, but I think if you look around the other UK producers, you're looking at sort of 35 pounds. So I think we're actually passing on a saving. And that's where the UK wine really struggles for me because it's, it's just not what £35 level when you look at other things. And, and I'm talking about small producers around the world, not just... And that's where I think the problem is. But the first time we produced this, we produced maybe 500 bottles. So it, it's, and now Sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't talking about you, Henry. I was, I, was talking, <laughs> I, I was making a general point. I'm, I'm saying yours isn't £35. If, if it was £35, um, I've, I've had some... Amazingly stunning wines, so, thirty-five pounds. You guys are not the, English. The interesting thing is that I mean, when I remember we were speaking to Ridgeviews, that actually their their issue in some ways is capacity. True. It, you know, you, to be honest, you could charge twenty-five pounds for this, and you'd still sell it. Probably. I mean, I think I think you're selling out, right? I think I think yes. Uh, I think one of the problems is that if you sell a wine too cheaply as well, you, consumers lose the the respect for it, and they they wouldn't buy it because they don't mm. think it's ex- more ex- <laughs> it's good enough for what their meal that they're going to serve. So if you to price it right, used to generate more and more trade. And, and it's I, I, such a difficult. No, one. But, but I think so this is really hard. important, which is that we're never going to have. You know, listen. What do we know about this wonderful country we live in? Um, is that ultimately we don't have a lot of land, right? We have loads of land. We have some land, but it's not like we're France. It's not like we're no, Australia no. or New Zealand. Like, actually, we're should we know? There's only a certain number of places where we can yeah. grow wine. Yeah, yeah. And so, in the end. If those spaces are not producing a premium product, the numbers are never going to add up. So I kind of go, we've got to start there. And actually, I think the challenge to all English winemakers is to keep on pushing that boundary. Yeah, I agree. It's very true. And the reason why we went for grapes was the farm size is too small to grow anything else commercially. So how many bottles of this are you producing of the Pinot Noir? So the Pinot, uh, this year we produced about two and a half thousand of them. See how honoured you are? Yeah, you just got that for nothing. Yeah. Only. <laughs> well, you better appreciate it because you say you don't like Pinot Noirs. No, 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 it's it's not my taste profile. I appreciate it, but it's not my it's not my taste profile. You should there watch you this as a seed lip. There you go. <laughs> God, I bloody hate seed lip. Everybody knows that. Can we? We're running out of time. Can of we have course. a quick? Now, I do like Cabernet Sauvignon as a grape. Can I? Can I? Yeah. Is there any chance I could just try of that? Of course. See, that's my profile taste profile. Is it? Mm. So this is actually really dangerous. So what you're really it's going to be so really if, if, dangerous. You got to be honest, though. I'm not going to have no, a no, no, program no. where we just, you know, blow smoke. <laughs> As if you and I would ever do that. <laughs> no, no. Blown away by the smell of the last one. It's very good. Mm. So Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, grown well, literally all around the world. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, isn't it? Oh, Cabernet Noir. Mm, Why is it Cabernet Noir? This is Very a new, this is a new, um, new grape. Essentially, in the great world, it's it's probably one of the newest. It was developed wow. in '96. Um, by a very interesting Swiss guy. He's still alive. It's great. You can ask him about this great variety that he's grown, he's made. Sorry, I beg your pardon, but Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, wow. So, a new grape. You heard it here first. So, um, well, in great terms. So, um, the one of the benefits of this is that it's a sort of cool climate but it, you get the cabernet you get that sort of bell peppers you get 
all the products you get from a sort of a much warmer location, so you know California, for example, but you can produce it in the UK. So we've planted a small batch of this. The only problem is the berries in the bunches are very small, and when you've got small bunches, you need a lot more plants to produce a bottle. Sure. So with this, we're looking at sort of maybe one bottle. One hundred and fifty pounds a bottle. So well, how many bottles did we produce? So we had two and a half thousand in the last one. We're now at. So we produce about a thousand of this. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's very. But one of the benefits of this grape is it. It requires so much less input uh, when it's grown, so we we don't have to put as much chem. We don't put any chemical on it apart from one one covering um, to put to help against botrytis. Uh, it's just the way that it's it grows and its structure. The leaf structure is very small, so it lets air go through it, which reduces the um, the disease risk basically. So Cabernet Noir. Yeah. And All Holly's Swiss... doing is just sitting there, just glugging everything, just quietly drinking. <laughs> She's actually got a straw in the bottle. Mm. What? What? What do you? That's think? a joke. That's a joke. Can I? That is much that more my taste profile, and it's actually what I really like. It's got a long finish, and it's quite complicated. Mm. It's a heavier red, which is why we thought we'd try and go for it. You, you said the other week that was just like a description of me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're complicated. A long, long, a long finish and complicated. I don't think you're complicated. <laughs> it was like silky on the outside and then rough. <laughs> yeah. That's about right. Yeah. This is, uh, I think you need a warm fire. And, much you know, more complex, chair, yeah. Cigar, that kind of... Um, See, that is much more my taste profile. I love that. Mm. Do you? know? No, I do. I do. There's something, there's something in it. There's something in the smell that is that's there's confusing to me. Something wintry about it. That's like this, it's. That's Oli breathing because he what, can't what, do anything quietly. Just to let you know. What I find extraordinary is that reds, and England, like I just, it's just like. I mean, what really? I mean, it's. I so so what? Why? I, I really can do exciting? that. I can do that in the winter. So that for me is sitting with like a blanket around you and a wood fire going on. And mm, they're illegal in London, you know. Dark. It's dark outside, and that does feel English in a, in a way. This, but because this, it, this, because it, because it's slightly Christmassy. But I find it mind bending that we're we're drinking an English red wine. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. No, I do. I do. I do. This is the first. These are the first two English red wines I've drunk, and I'm. I mean, I, I think both of them are really, really good. But it's 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 like a kind of minor, you know, recompute, which goes. It's like here's an electric sports vehicle. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, 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 electric cars go 22 miles an hour and, and look like C5s. It, you know, the generational joke. Which you know. <laughs> um, but, 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 Sorry, Holly, you're too young. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but if you know what I mean, I mean, as in like, uh, it, it, this is kind of bonkers. You have to recalibrate. Yeah. You have to but totally we probably would have thought that about English sparkling. No, I know we would. a number of years ago. But I've worked English through that. White and, I'm, yeah. I'm just having a You'll moment. work through this too, Holly. It'll I, be okay. You can be there for me. I'll be here for you. <laughs> Thank you, Holly. Uh, so I'm impressed by that. Um, dare I ask? Yeah, twenty. Twenty. Okay, I'm okay with that. You okay? Is that because well, you because think red should cost more than white? No, I I buy quite expensive whites sometimes. Um, I I think it stands up in I think it stands up in taste uh, and it has its own taste profile. Very true. Which if I was so I'm not comparing it, I think, is the thing that I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Whereas a Pinot Noir, I would compare with something. Whereas this, it's like, well, it's its own thing. Which I think is what you were saying earlier. Yeah. I, I, how... Just to, to Ollie, it's radio. You need to, to say to, things. To be, to be clear, like, I have no problem with the French. So 
What do the French think about these kind of wines? I mean, how, what's the reaction? Because you're like, you know, I mean, this is, like, I mean, in in a sense, they've, they've probably got over the sparkling thing, as, as yeah. I have too. I bet they haven't. Well, they, they may or may not. <laughs> well, no, because we're making massive inroads, so I don't think they have got over well, it. Just but we're still so small. They're just commuting over here. They've got, yeah. arms. They've got the arms. They're tassels. But what about, I mean, well, how, how has this been received? I mean, when so, you say to friend, it's a little bit like, we, a long time ago, we had um, that lovely cheesemaker on who made like a camembert equivalent and they were oh, God, it was amazing fantastic rag monk rig monk anyway um, <laughs> they um, it, it was like so, it was like some, they, they shared it with their French friends and they just went whoa I mean how have this been received in, in, in Europe well we've done a, we've done a couple of trips over to France and things like that but we actually find that they love it they they love the rosé they love the, the reds are um, they confused by it though it's not just an intrigue they actually generally really like the flavour and taste it's they just like the wine and yeah. it's great because you go, they, they've obviously had grown out through it and they, they consume it daily. It's probably stereotyping a bit, but the it's great going over there and them not going, oh, this is English, we're not going to have it. They actually, we've been to events and we've supplied them. They've put up sort of premier crew sort of wines and, and all ours disappears because they've had up, yeah. all of their wines. They know what their wines are like. So when they try sort of English sparkling or you know, our reds, they go, this is all new. This is this is cool because mm. English sparkling doesn't have to conform to that sort of champagne tradition of it's got to taste like this. And um, that's where we are really lucky and can play. Yeah, no, and, and maybe what you're saying is is, is the French and, and possibly other old wine cultures are feeling a bit boxed in, yeah. whereas you have the luxury of not being boxed in. You can sort of experiment and disrupt and do what you want. Very true. Well, the last mm. Frenchman that, that we did a tasting with, um, Michel Roux, he, he really liked it. Sign. He's not French. Technically. He's not, it's just the name. <laughs> French name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is, he is as British as you can get. Yeah. He is actually yeah. born in Pembrey, I think. I think. Mm. Yeah. 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 Michel well, um, I'm terribly sorry. We have to, you, we have you, to come to a close. If you want to know more about Henry and this uh, amazing wine, really. Amazing. Yeah, redhillestate.com. That's pretty easy. Um, is it an estate in Brixton? <laughs> no, it's not. It's an estate in uh, Kent. Thank you. And also, if they have a pop-up every weekend at Canopy Market in King's Cross. So if you're anywhere near King's Cross or St Pancras Station, uh, that's quite a nice old market that's, that's starting to burgeon, it, burgeon now. There's some amazing... Bread first, makers first and few months were slow. All sorts of other things going on there. People are getting just used to incredible. popping the, in there. The, the product there is incredible. Yeah. It's just so crafty and the quality of food. And yeah. it's not just your average sort of street market. Oh, there's some really nice stuff in there. Yeah. So um, I was a lady who makes great samosas, by the way. I forgot about her. Yep. Yeah, she's good. Um, so if you're if you're travelling... <laughs> if you're travelling <laughs> from, uh, you know, London and you're going up north and you're, you're going from... King's Cross to Sheffield or something or Leeds and or you're at St Pancras and you're travelling up uh, there just make sure you've got a little bit of time and, and pop into Canopy Market and you'll you'll find uh, Red Hill Estate there and others um, so thank you so much um, Henry for joining us, giving me a little thank bit of a hard so time much. but from the nicest possible place Thank you, thank you for having us <laughs> so, you know. and, and also thank you Paul um, the uh, the packaging and plastic debate is not, not going to go away any, anytime soon, is it? It's complicated and people need help. Yeah, it certainly isn't. I mean, I'm moving on. I'm sort of getting involved and invited to do lots more work um, with big corporations. The whole thing is, has really taken off help and um, many saying. designers have approached mm. me. So um, we're actually forming um, many agencies across the world are getting together 
and we're forming a sustainable design alliance to actually go out and actually do some work because we've talked about sustainability long enough. And now we're going to get out yeah. on the road and start making a difference. And, that and also will be... tran transferring that knowledge because people are picking stuff up. So make sure we share it. It's, yeah. it's important for everybody. Don't keep it to yourself. Absolutely. At Precipice, mm. everywhere, people are sort of um, really beginning to take action. I think that's what 2019 is about, taking action. And everybody has to work sustainably on the product as well as on the packaging. And um, that's what consumers want. So that's good. Um, you've been listening to the Food Talk Show. I'm terribly sorry it's drink again. It was drink last week. Uh, I don't know what we've got next week. Um, but We'll, we'll, we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> we'll try. Yeah. Uh, we're on lots of different radio stations across the UK and further afield, as you probably know. And you can also download our weekly podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, player fm spotify and the podcast app on your phone as well as the wonderful great british chefs website we should probably have this wine on there actually we should probably have this wine as our sort of friday night drink mm. thank you to my fellow presenters ollie lloyd of great british chefs you learned a, you learned a few things haven't you well today? i've tried my first red wine there you go for me. and holly shackleton a speciality food magazine sorry holly you didn't say much on this one you were just you were just, I was just happy drinking to be honest you were just straw. tasting always yeah there's no straw if you if you want to recommend any future guests someone doing something groundbreaking and interesting in the food sector just like henry please get in touch with us via twitter on at food talk show or if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts I think we've got about 300 now uh, please go to foodtalk.co.uk and i hope you have a good week bye Thank you.